0: Thanks. Um, welcome. If you have not been to this class yet this summer, we are, um, I, well, I'm Mary Nell Brevard, and that's my husband Justin, and then the Burgesses and the Piles, we are all collaborating on teaching this class, and we are going through a book called God is Stranger. Um, so we're reading this book. It's not recommended reading for the class, but if you want to get a copy and read along with us, we're going chapter by chapter. Um, it's really interesting book. So this week we are in chapter 2. And the title of chapter 2 is The God Who Turns Up Out of the Blue. And it's Abraham and the stranger. And I'm going to do what Sam did last week and read the little funny quote. Because they are really funny. So the quote before the chapter starts says, In which an old refugee invites three strangers for dinner and gets more than he bargained for. And we see that trusting God is never as simple as it seems okay so my first question is raise your hand if you know somebody who's a really bad driver <laughs> so typically when you know someone who's a bad driver you don't want to ride with them right it's really nerve-wracking to get in the car with them you don't understand why they're taking the path that they're taking or driving as fast as they are or even the opposite driving as slow as they are driving um, so it can be really frustrating when you're in a car with somebody that you perceive to be a really bad driver, right? So the question that the beginning of this chapter poses is do you perceive that God is a bad driver? Do you ever feel confused or or, um, frustrated by the path that God is taking? Yeah. Does anybody have any time or um, example or experience that you can think of where you were frustrated with the path that you thought God was taking? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else?
1: Yeah, I can definitely relate to this. My dad has cancer. And last December, um, everything sort of miraculously came together for him to be part of this clinical trial that was like healing people of he has this kind of cancer that's not curable. Um, and so they were seeing this incredible results. So it was just miracle after miracle after miracle in these other kind of types. So he um, he was patient one we waited on this trial for like nine months he was patient one like all of the things just sort of smoothly came together it was very clear that God was working and putting this all together um, when they started the trial like the whole um, research staff was present the CEO of the pharmaceutical company was present everyone was telling us that this was going to be like the future of cancer uh, treatment and that this was you know my dad was just and all this really wonderful stuff, and uh, it completely failed. Like there was, <laughs> there was like no redeeming qualities about it whatsoever. Um, so it, it just com- just did not work, not even a little bit. So we haven't quite had the hindsight experience of being able to say, oh, well, I can see how this sort of worked into all these other things. Um, but it just, it just failed. Yeah,
0: yeah. Anybody else have anything they want to share? So when we look at Abraham and Sarah's journey through Genesis, um, you might read that story and read just kind of the facts, the big highlight points of what they go through and say, if God is driving the car that they're in, he's a really bad driver. Like, what is he doing? So Abraham and Sarah go through um, being uprooted from their home. They're unable to bear children. Um, they, you know, at one point Abraham sacrifices Sarah to a ruler to, you know, come in the, um, to be pleased by the ruler. They um, are rescued at the sacrifice of others' health, and then um, there's even just bizarre things like a levitating flaming torch, and you're like, God, what is that? What's the point of that? God and um, ethnic cleansing, the introduction of circumcision, child sacrifice all of these things that we watch Abraham and Sarah go through, through those chapters of Genesis, um, feel very strange and very um, odd and like like God is going in circles before he gets them anywhere. Um, any thoughts or questions on that? No. <laughs> so what we learn from Abraham throughout all of this is even though it, you would think You know that this is a crazy journey and that they would lose faith. Abraham doesn't. So the three big key things that we recognize from Abraham in this is that he trusts in God's leadership, that he has confidence in God's power, and then he has faith in God's character. Do we feel like we in these times and these experiences where God is taking us on a hard journey or a weird journey or a difficult journey that we have these traits, or do we feel like it's impossible to have these traits? If anybody has thoughts on that.
2: Yeah. I think it's easy to just look at yourself and wonder what can you do better. Yeah, that's it. So, so not even take like, God's power into
3: account.
1: I think it's also.
0: Okay, we're going to read um, Genesis 18:1 through 15. If you guys want to turn to that. Does anybody else feel like reading? <laughs> no. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of I don't know how to does it, how do you pronounce that word Mamre of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, "If I have found favor in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may wa- all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three says of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant, who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. Um, So, in this passage. Krish um, Kadaya, the author of this book, argues that Abraham doesn't know who these three people are that approach him. Um, we are privy to that information in the scripture, um, that it is the Lord in the form of these three men, but Abraham doesn't know that. Um, so if God showed up at your door, you um, would be really, you know, apt to treat him hospitality and show him um, how much you honor and care for him but um, even though Abraham doesn't know who these people are he still does that Um, and the other side of significance of this is that God is appearing to Abraham secretly and so a couple examples in the book of other people that have done this in Shakespeare's Henry V um, when he disguises himself as a soldier to get close to the battle lines and then um, Queen Elizabeth when she was a princess at the war's end. They were celebrating in the streets in England, and she um, makes herself kind of disguised in the streets with the others to celebrate her and her sister Margaret. Um, So God's secrecy here, I think, is really significant. Um, And then, like I said, first, Abraham's attitude towards these strangers is really significant. Um, He shows them four things. He shows haste and getting all of those items to make them feel welcome. Um, He shows humility, honor, and hospitality. Um, And it's really important also to note here that in those times, people didn't travel for fun. So we travel and are tourists for fun, right? Like we go on vacation, we wanna see other cities. They weren't, people weren't traveling for fun. It was out of necessity and oftentimes out of a sad situation. They were being exiled or, or something desperate was making them leave. Their homeland and go somewhere else. And so um, the knowledge of knowing that someone who's traveling is most likely on a hard journey is even more significant that he showed them these things. Um, and I think oftentimes we don't approach strangers with this same attitude, right? Like, even if you think of it as simply as a salesman coming to your door, which I don't know how often that happens anymore, but you know, the concept of that, like, you don't want it's an unwanted thing to have a salesman come to your door and bother you, like what, what an inconvenience. Um, or even, you know, I think at times people who are door knockers for different religions and different churches, that seems a nuisance to us. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on how we approach strangers or um, how we feel about strangers?
2: Was anything about them that that he did he ascribe any more authority to them than maybe well does that make sense I mean does he it's almost like he did recognize there was something special about them I mean to to go to that length of of, I mean I don't I don't know if it was common I'm certainly I would think it would be common uh, to offer water or something like that but to actually kill a calf and have it prepared that was I would think that would be
0: yeah. I don't know, maybe yeah, not. no, I don't totally. Know. I don't know. Yeah. So for sure. To me. Yeah. Abraham's reaction is I think definitely out of the norm even to these people. Right. Any other thoughts on this?
4: I think Abraham to, to your point about like people traveling on necessity, most of us strangers as how they react and are, are, are part of our world and our sphere, not the intent that they are coming into the situation with. To where Abraham, in the way I read it is, he fully recognizes they are traveling somewhere with no family, no friends. They're not with the caravan. They're alone and isolated. And instead of seeing it as someone that he has to support, sees it as something he should protect and guard because he has the ability to not because he should, but he knew he should, but it's, it's a reaction to their situation, not simply because he has the ability to, to where we often with strangers just, well, I could change the circumstance, but they're doing this, this, and this. At least in what you read, he never took into account what they could be doing or why. <coughs> he does it because he's there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he doesn't ask them any questions about where they're coming from or where they're going or anything that we know of. Any other thoughts? So um, a quote from the book is that unexpected visitors is an opportunity to show hospitality. Um, How could this look practically in our lives? What would be a way that we could um, practically live out this opportunity?
2: I'll share just something. I was speaking with a, a friend yesterday. I don't know. I don't know if this gets harder as you get older or it gets better. But I know in our society that we we're so concerned with image sometimes that we we allow to suppress our hospitality because we don't want to have somebody in our home unless our home looks spotless and we don't want to have somebody over for dinner unless we're going to prepare a really nice meal and I think sometimes we lose that perspective of the, the, the goal is the hospitality, is the fellowship, is the, commu- you know, the communal nature. It's not that it was a great meal or that house was perfect or whatever. And, and like I said, and I'm just saying, I'm acknowledging that, that we fight that in our household as well. We, we talk a good game, but often that we don't want to have people over unless everything is totally in order and that just, we're fighting that. We're to that.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Justin.
5: Oh, day yesterday <laughs> working on cleaning the house because we had people from the <laughs> <room>. <laughs> so.
0: Justin can attest to that. I'll <laughs> do like the 10 minute run around if someone <laughs> called, seven five. Throw everything in the closet. The side, though, like on the argument, like,
1: for us at least, I think mean, people that know us and that we're close with, we don't care. We don't clean. Right. Like, right. And I would say that attests to like our life ritual. There's several of them in this group room where like Sometimes we show up, and it's like, so we have somebody new coming to our life group, right, and the house is, like, all clean, and then other times
4: you show up, and it's like, eh, just don't care, right? Okay, so when so we, we came to your house, it's <laughs> <and> you <laughs> spent a lot of time <laughs> not a whole lot. <laughs> well, it, it, look, it looked great to me,
2: so
5: anyway, I'm just saying. We why? did, I think I had the, like, mail that's on the island, <laughs> I <laughs> just this morning goes,
3: Where's my wallet? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> we with
0: the laundry room. It's <laughs> great. That's awesome.
2: So you have to work up to be able to get, to get the, the wallet think Well, so. I think it's virtually
5: kind of like what, like when we were in service, it was like, uh, I can't remember. If Go on. No, no. Leaving, oh. leaving, like the elder's blessing was kind of this, like, he wants to step out of his comfort zone, but then it's like, we always make these excuses as, well, we might not have a skill set or we might not have like, or like, oh, my home might not be nice enough or it's not clean enough or all this stuff. But in actuality,
1: you miss the intent
5: intent of it all to like be able to sit there and say, to show hospitality and whether that's, you know, having people in your home, but it could also just be, you know, giving a homeless man some money on the side of the street.
4: Sure. or you know, or whatnot, so that kind of thing. I think for me, hospitality has been changing from showing someone a space or something to my time. People just want other people's time. And we've changed that definition. And we've Mm -hmm. done that with the people coming in at our houses. Sometimes we don't have the time, but that's the most important and valuable thing that we can give up. And that's often what that person is looking for, Mm -hmm. not how nice it is or the food, they just were looking and you don't want to question that that's Rick. something we've had to stop ourselves and say we don't know
0: the intent but yeah. let's give it up yeah that's, that's really good. they just want the invitation right like it feels so good when you get an invitation and so hurtful sometimes when you don't right like when you weren't the one invited um and then the flip side of that when you were invited how good that feels um, and the other thing that god shows us in this story is that he wants to be invited um you know he appears in the form of these men he wants Abraham to invite him and Abraham does Um, and we can see other examples of this throughout scripture baby Jesus you know has is a stranger and is not invited into the nice part of the inn but isn't you know invited has to be invited there to have a place um, to be born when in John 4 when Jesus is at the well with woman he asks her for a drink he wants her to offer him a drink Um, and then in Revelation it clearly Revelation 3.20 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Um, and God doesn't have to be invited, right? He, he's God. He, he could just do whatever he wanted, but he wants to be invited. Um, so, the other person in this that we look at and see is Sarah. Um, and while Abraham has taste and humility and hospitality, and he is ever fearing God, um, Sarah is a little bit doubting, right? So um, do we believe that nothing is too hard for God, or are we a little more like Sarah? Um, they, God tells Abraham Sarah's going to have a baby, um, we assume that it's purposeful that he tells him when Sarah is present, because he's really already told Abraham that a little bit earlier in chapter 17. So he tells him again, knowing that Sarah is listening, and she laughs and says, you know, I'm old. How, how is this going to happen? Um, and I feel like that's how we react a lot. We think that things are too hard for God. Um, anybody have an example or a thought on a time when you thought that's not possible even with God? Thank you for sharing any
2: other thoughts on that you know i I will make this come you know i know when when there are hardships in our lives when there are real things we're dealing with we pray but you know i do sometimes wonder if we really believe what we're praying you know um i mean that's that's the part of it that matters the most the if the situation changes or it doesn't change, that's not the part that ultimately matters the most. It's the faith that we demonstrate. Um, so I, I, I mean, I'm just saying. I know that that's that's a challenge sometimes, and I just, I just think that's really the, the essence of it. Though, is kind of have that faith, not knowing, not knowing the whole picture, not knowing the direction of
0: that. So if we read on just a few more um, verses into chapter 18 of Genesis, I'm going to actually start at 16. I know that says 17, but um, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely be a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So what's happening here, right? God is talking to himself. He's having a conversation with himself. And he, Is he really having that conversation with himself for his own benefit? No, right? Like he doesn't need to have the conversation with himself. He's having that conversation for our benefit so that we can see um, that he is involving Abraham, and that um, he wants to um, involve Abraham. But on the other side of that, it at times can be disheartening to us um, because he's talking about the destruction of a city, right? He's talking about destroying a city. Um, and I think, you know, in today's, that Krish talks a lot about, you know, in today's culture, we see all of these terrible things going on and sometimes it's really hard to see where, how and where could God be present in these awful things um, that are going on all over the world. Um, and so the same thing here, how, how do you find God in um, deciding to destroy a city? Um, but we know that God does what is right and just even if we don't understand. And I think while well, it's disheartening to see all of this all of these terrible atrocities happen the other side of it is that he shows us here that he won't just stand by and do nothing um, thoughts on that. So let's talk a little bit more about um, God getting Abraham involved. Um, which is hard to do, too. It's hard to trust sometimes when you feel like you can't see him. So. I
1: feel like by having this dialogue, God is actually allowing Abraham to come into God's justification of what's about to happen. Because when I mean, you read the dialogue and he's saying, well, I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do because I, I have to do this in order for Abraham to have the space and the resources to become a great nation who will bless all nations. So the Lord is... He, he's like you're saying. He doesn't need to have this dialogue with himself, but by inviting Abraham into this space, he's introducing the topic in such a way that it's like, okay, Abraham's not going to look one, down one day and say, "I'm destroying," and he's not going to have any idea why. The Lord's dialogue is actually inviting Abraham into like that conversation that justification. Hey, look, Abraham, I made this promise to you, and in order for me to really hold up my end of the bargain of this promise, this is what has to happen. This is what space needs to be cleared
0: away so that you
5: can build a nation yeah and then it, it kind of goes into that i guess not to jump in too far but it's like the like forward in the story when like abraham is kneeling and dealing with it's like hey if i can find like you know 50 good people, and then he's like, hey, but can I find like 12 good people? And then, like, you know, he keeps changing, but it's like, I'm t- he, at that point, Abraham is totally invested in like saving this place, but then even he realizes, oh, I can't even find the right, like those good people to save
4: it." Yeah.
0: Yeah, God lets Abraham barter with him a little bit there, which is interesting, I think, for sure
4: think it's not just that it's bartering god knew but god let abraham get to that decision and i think for me it's more we read it as what we see god does in reality is what god lets us do which is stumble and have the conversation over and over with him knowing at the end of the day we're going to get to the same result but abraham thought can i change it can i change it can i change it can i can i lower the scope god's like sure <laughs> but i've already told you what's going to have to happen but when you're ready, you'll get there. And God, to me, that's an interesting place of, even in all this, God gave space for someone else to get there on their own time instead mm-hmm. of
6: forcing
0: Yeah. Totally. I
6: think kind of adding to that, the idea of God's justice is not constrained to our timeline. And I also think it's not really constrained to our life because there's a lot of people who are like, well, this isn't fair. Like, why would God do that? It's like, maybe it's really not about you. Maybe it's really not, you know, even, like, someone dying in a car accident. Was that fair for that person? Maybe. Probably not. But, you know, in the long term, like, God's justice always wins. So, like, I don't know, the whole, like, well, we're kind of obsessed with things being fair a little bit with things making sense with with us being able to see immediately, well, so and so died and that brought their entire family to Jesus. So it's not fair, but it's you know, I guess worth it. That whole kind of mental exchange that we have sometimes trying to weigh and we have scales for things that we go, Oh, that that seems right and I think that that conversation there was God giving us a little peek into his wisdom that just kind of literally transcends time. Abraham had zero idea, but God said, hey, I'm gonna let you look into, like, he let us have this insight, which is just so incredible.
0: For sure. So God, um, with this, is forming character rather than forcing control, he's teaching justice rather than enforcing plans, and he's molding us rather than manipulating which is what all you just said um, and then further down into Genesis eighteen twenty five, which is getting into what we were talking about when he's bartering or, or processing through what God has already decided um, he says it says far be it from you to do such a thing to kill righteous with the wicked treating the righteous and the wicked alike far be it from you Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Um, And so this is Abraham talking to God, and he is part doubting, part declaring. Um, Are there times that we do that? Yes, no, maybe so. (laughs) I think that there are, right? There are times when we're, um, even in our purest prayers, or however you want to say it, sometimes we can be declaring and doubting with the same breath. Um, And I think that Abraham shows us that that's okay, um, that God is okay with that. And he is still is in conversation with, God is still in conversation with Abraham after he does that. Um, So the big three main points of Abraham's, story through this chapter is that um, Abraham is called to leave home and be a blessing to all, um, which is what we are called to do in essence, maybe not physically leave our home, but um, in some sense. God includes Abraham in decision making, or at least makes Abraham believe that he is included in the decision making. Um, And then through prayer, Abraham learns about God and develops a relationship with God. Um, And I think this, you know, for Abraham and God, it's in the form of prayer, um, but really the underlying theme, if we go back to what we were talking about earlier, is the hospitality essence of this, um, and mirroring that to our lives, how do we learn about people and develop relationships with people is through that essence of hospitality. Any thoughts on that? We're going to move on to a little different part of the story. we still got time. I had no idea how long this would take us.
1: Yeah, I really like the fact that Abraham He's not just a stranger in certain situations, but the more you know about him, the stranger he gets, the less um, concrete he gets, which is sort of another one of those paradoxes that we have to live in as Christians, which is like, the more you get to know someone, so the more you think you can sort of predict their behavior or rely on certain you know characteristics about them. But the more we get to know God, the less we actually can sometimes It doesn't really
0: help for us to try and tell God who we think he is. Yeah. And we do a lot, right? Like we put God in a box, we say this is God, this is this is who, this is what, this is how, this is why, and how naive of us to think that we know all of that. So the next chapter of Genesis 19 starts to follow um, Lot's story. We've got time. We'll read it. So Genesis 19, 1 through 13, the two, if you want to find it, sorry, I'll give you a second. (laughs) The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My Lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered. We will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house he prepared a meal for them baking bread without yeast and they ate before they had gone to bed all the men from every part of the city of sodom both young and old surrounded the house they called to lot where are the men who came to you tonight bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and he said no my friends don't do this wicked thing look I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you would like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door and they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-laws, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great, and he has sent us to destroy it. Whoa, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like when was the last time you read that story? (laughs) Sunday school. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's a crazy story. That's even worse than Newsworthy today, right? That's that's insane. These All of these men, a huge group of men we assume, came to his house and were going to gang rape these two strangers who had come into their town and that's what they wanted to do. Um, and Lot's reaction is really interesting, right? He, um, he's showing these men hospitality, but even to the level of sacrificing his daughters. Um, and that, I think, if we let it, can be really disturbing. Um, yeah. Thoughts on this, anybody? <laughs> <laughs>
5: Like I often don't read this. Maybe that oftentimes because it's a weird story. But when I do read this story, I'm so sh- weirded out by it. But I also understand that there's a in my life. There's so many instances of uncomfort of how God responds and reacts. And like I have to like understand that God does do weird things sometimes because that's what God does. Like he, you know, that's just how he tells. Mm-hmm. and how he creates a relationship with me is this uneasy interaction that I have with God sometimes is like this I don't know if, if that makes any sense uh, yeah but it's like my relationship with God is so sometimes just like weird and twisted and uneasy and my faith in him because of how strange that he works in my life that sometimes I'm arguably sometimes encouraged by stories like this because I've realized that that's just a like pattern in which God works.
6: Yeah I think this kind of this has like a really interesting moment where man's answer to sin is going, oh here, let me sacrifice my daughters, which were worth less in that culture than men right So Lot's answer to here let me sacrifice you know, these women to appease your sin. And God's like, no, I have power over this. Is like that in that moment, which is kind of going, all
0: right, all right, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, God wasn't like, oh, good solution, way to go, okay, great. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, a lot comes up with an extreme solution, and God does say no, but God also comes up with an extreme solution, right? He destroys the city, um, and this isn't the only time He destroys a city in the Bible, right? We see the story of Jonah and Nineveh. We see the story of Jericho. Um, if you stop and think about that, like that's crazy. There's a lot of cities that got destroyed. <laughs> yeah, thoughts? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it oh, sorry. All the like, that's
5: how, that was the, the you're like, oh, they're blind. They're blind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can yeah, read it. it.
5: Be able to say that, uh, the angels were sent there which the of the other story
2: mm-hmm. so, do I need to destroy the city you guys go find now yeah okay
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs>
2: yeah you know there are these big picture concepts from this but, but then wh- what about just thinking about from the perspective of the, of the daughters mm-hmm. that here think about how that changed their view of God to say here your father was prepared to offer to, to offer you up yet. I've redeemed you I've prevented this I'm just saying just it validated. it gave them more validation probably than they ever felt before because they realized they were just
0: There's a lot of mystery um, with God still today, I think, for a lot of people and for us, too. I think rightfully so. We should still hold him as mysterious um, rather than assuming things. So, I think the three things that we can take from this chapter are that we cannot grasp God and God's, oh, it went away. Yeah. It has? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, the, I'll just read them to you. <laughs> the three big things that we cannot fully grasp God, um, that his ways are right and just, even when we don't under- understand, um, and that we can entertain strangers and angels alike. Um, and that, I think, is what we're called to do. Any final thoughts? How long has it been gone? <laughs> Since, uh, Bummer.
2: Chapters,
0: I think. Ah. Oh, well. I
4: think separated the two stories as if it were different issues or different things that mm-hmm. it's the same story. And in the same amount of time whatever it was, God was drastically different for different purposes to execute the same goal. But to, there's no way either I mean, Abraham didn't understand, Lot didn't understand but they had to trust and what they saw of God was very different individuals.
1: And the outcome was based upon the hospitality that God had received. God grants life when he's welcomed. He mm-hmm. grants
0: death when he's not. Sorry. That should have been my final slide. <laughs> 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 Any other thoughts? Questions? Can I just
6: start to describe an object lesson of different levels
0: of hospitality? Yep. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, we, we can pray really quick. Um, Any prayer requests that I got anything? No? Okay. John, will you pray for us? Sure.
5: Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for allowing us to be able to come in the presence of you and just talk to you sometimes. Uh, Thank you for being able to allow us. realizing About how um, you work in our lives every day and your son's gracious and holy name